stop the signal. Hey guys, welcome to the last episode of The Signal for 2021. I realize that we have already turned the page. It's 2022, uh, but I had an opportunity to release this on our traditional TLE release date. Uh, and due to, well, we always talk about taking some time off uh, TLE uh, right after the new year. I don't think we've ever actually done it, uh, but we're going to do it this year. Bird's moving. Um, and so we're, we're, we're going to do the glueys in a week after this Wednesday. Uh, so I had an opportunity to release the signal on the Wednesday just to give everybody something in the RSS feed, um, you know, instead of just uh, a goose egg for January, what is it, 5th, uh, that, uh, you know, will satisfy the listener's desires, I suppose, hopefully. Um, I spent, I usually I have a guest on, uh, but this one I felt was a good, good episode to do solo. Um, I just wanted to to look at a couple things in review from the previous year, look at where we're going uh, it, it, with respect to items of interest to the show and to me personally. Um, and I spent, you know, I, I flew home for Christmas, which meant I had to leave Texas and, uh, and travel and, you know, re-expose myself to a lot of the COVID madness and restrictions and things like that. Um, I was also spending a lot more time with the boomer generation and older. Uh, so it, it was just a, it was a very interesting, a lot of times I, I do, you know, I know that I live in a little bit of a bubble and I know that a lot of listeners are in states where they are, you know, and some of the co-hosts too are in states where the things that I experience on a day-to-day basis and they experience on a day-to-day basis are, are two wildly different things. Um, so I, I, you know, I spent, I, I, I got on the flight back and I downloaded a note-taking app, and I just spent the two or three hours, whatever the flight time was, uh, just t- jotting down some notes and jotting down some things that I wanted to talk about in this recap episode. Uh, and and it you know it jumps around a little bit. Uh, I was just writing things down as they as they came across the old noggin. I think a lot of it'll be interesting if you're interested in uh, if you've been listening to this show and you're interested in the things that I'm interested in um, then then I think this will be a good one for you and uh, if not well then you probably should go ahead and turn it off um, uh, so first up the, the first item that I really wanted to talk about I actually went on biting the bullet with Luke and typo talking about this last week I believe they just released the episode today January 3rd um, and it's particularly poignant today I'm glad they did they, they released it today because today is proof of keys day uh, traditionally in Bitcoin and that is the day that set aside for Bitcoiners to uh, flex their self-sovereignty by um, holding every single bit of their Bitcoin stack on uh, self-custodied uh, arrangements. So, you know, holding your own keys uh, to the Bitcoin that you have, verifying it with your own node. And, uh, and I, and when I, you know, I was, I was talking with Typo about this, actually the impetus of the episode of me coming on to the biting the bullet was Typo and I were DMing. And uh, I realized that, that maybe I have failed or, you know, Bitcoiners certainly may have, have failed at at really painting the picture of why it's so important to self-custody and not just self-custody, but also verify that the Bitcoin that you think you have is uh, Bitcoin that you actually have. In other words, Bitcoin that is legitimate to the Bitcoin network. Um, 
so I, you know, I was, I was DMing with typo and I, I don't think that this had crossed his mind. Uh, and maybe that's true of some of you as well, but I, I was painting a picture of the possibility of fractional reserve banking essentially happening with Bitcoin. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm going to kind of mix two different things here, but, uh, when you look at previous price action, uh, of Bitcoin, you know, in previous cycles. So if, for the, if, if you're not familiar, typically, uh, you will see a significant markup of the Bitcoin price as priced in dollars, um, sometime after a, uh, block subsidy having uh so when when the block reward subsidy is, is is that goes to the miners for for confirming blocks into the ledger uh, that cuts in half every four years and that is how we get our dwindling or or um you know supply cap is that at some point it's going to cut in half and cut in half and cut in half and cut in half uh, it started at 50 bitcoins uh, per block uh, you would collect miners collect the transaction fees and the block subsidy. Four years later, roughly, it cut in half to uh, uh, 25. It cut in half to 12 and a half, and it will continue to cut in half until it ultimately rounds down, and that will happen just south of 21 million bitcoins. It's it's you know several sats short of that uh, is is when it will round out. So this happens every I think. 210,000 blocks, which lines up to roughly four years if it is if we're successfully targeting 10-minute block times, which usually it's a little bit faster um, uh, due to uh, you know the bullish action of miners uh, coming online and uh, and actually solving blocks faster on net each four-year cycle than they should. Um, you know, usually it's in the vicinity, I think, of like nine minutes and, you know, whatever it is, 40 seconds. I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure. But um, but as the Bitcoin price ri rises, uh, more miners are incentivized to come online, which incrementally pushes the difficulty higher and higher and higher. Um, if none of that makes sense to you, I, I would definitely take a look at, uh, you know, go read further into um, the structure of the difficulty adjustment block times mining and so on um i think it's i just think it's really neat engineering and a lot of people would say that the difficulty adjustment is actually probably one of the most maybe the most revolutionary part of the bitcoin network most of the other cogs in the machine had been invented or discovered and uh the the difficulty adjustment was kind of that last missing piece when compiled with all the others makes the bitcoin network the robust um attack resistant censorship resistant network that we know and love um so i i you know looking at these previous cycles and looking at the cycle we're in i it, it is notable that uh this the this bull run has been a little bit muted in terms of um where we're at now relative to where we would have been at now in previous bull cycles um now i you know to me this doesn't matter it doesn't affect my well it actually does affect my stacking it allows me to stack more which is great um uh but it does you know you the human brain recognizes patterns and you say what's going on uh what is why is this cycle slightly different and of course they're all going to be different to some degree um and uh but you know it, it's just one of those one of those curiosities and it's it's a fascinating aspect of bitcoin is people's reaction to it and uh, their impulse to 
to save it. And the price is kind of a direct reflection, in my opinion, of that as people suck up the supply and uh, and send it to cold storage. Um, I, I think that there is some you know possibility that a lot of these exchanges are either sell well let me think about how i want to phrase this there there's some possibility that there is some some funny business going on in many of the exchanges um uh and how they go about that is probably it could be um pretty reflective of how central banking has manifested itself in in the modern world uh, but just using bitcoin as the underlying asset for instance um, if an exchange notices that um, out of the 100% total of their customers, only 20% of their customers are buying Bitcoin and then immediately withdrawing it to their own self-custodied wallets, they may begin to look at that and say, hmm, five to one, huh? Well, maybe we can sell more than we have now and then just make up the difference at a later date or, 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 or something like that. Um, or we can, we, we can use the, uh, the five to one Bitcoin that we have on the exchange that we don't think is going to be withdrawn. So nobody's going to call us on it. Uh, maybe we lend that out uh, at interest, uh, which of course introduces risk and risk that I don't believe that you're being compensated for if you are uh, if you have your coins on the exchanges. Um, this combined with the fact that it's probably no secret many big institutions, banks, etc., probably don't want the price of Bitcoin to go up terribly fast because they're probably trying to figure out how exactly they can uh, compromise this new uh, global money. It it does make me wonder if. Uh, there is again some funny business going on in centralized exchanges. Uh, you know, for example, just in the U.S., is there more Bitcoin theoretically floating around out there than there should be? And uh, and I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. This is not a. I, I'm not here telling you that that is absolutely happening. Uh, but I am saying that there is a motivation for it to happen. Uh, profits for the exchanges, um, and. Uh, there is and 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 just the momentum of hey this is what we've always done so we can do it with this too i would be very careful uh when when you are buying your bitcoin on exchanges to to withdraw it verify it with your own node um, because uh, and this is something i was talking about on biting the bullet as well is that it it does seem like every one of these cycles and also not directly during bull cycles because there's always drama uh, in Bitcoin, but it always feels like there is this one gigantic um, mo like moment in each bull cycle. And you could you could look back at the first one um, or the 13, 14 one, you could look at the Mount Gox explosion. And, uh, you know, and that's a fascinating story as well. Uh, I believe that was Mark Carpellis, uh, who's um, probably implicated in, in some other, some other uh, well-known uh, snafus in the Bitcoin space. Um, 2017, obviously, you had the block wars, and that was when Bitcoin Cash forked off of the Bitcoin network. Um, there was a, a you know a pretty significant uh, attack on Bitcoin uh, in order to try to change the underlying consensus rules of the network, and in that instance, they were trying to increase the block size. Now, that has been more or less, you know, we we can, the market has decided which network it prefers and it is not 
any of the forks or the forks of the forks of the Bitcoin network. Um, it, it does appear that the market prefers that Bitcoin solve its scalability issues on another layer, a layer above the consensus layer. Um, that was not what Bitcoin Cash, for example, was was seeking to do. They were trying to scale Bitcoin on the base layer by increasing the block size and increasing the transaction throughput on the base layer um, rather than having it solved on another layer above that. There's a lot of technical reasons why uh, a layered approach, I believe, is is far superior, and I guess the market believes is far superior. Um, but that's probably beyond the scope of this episode. Um, I, I haven't personally read it, but I've heard good things about, uh, I think it's called the Fork Wars or the Block, blocks, block Size Wars or something like that. Somebody wrote a book about uh, all that drama that was back in 2017. Well, it had been building for a number of years, but it it um, exploded in 2017 with a with a, a fork away uh, by Bitcoin by the Bitcoin Cash Network. Uh, I think it was in like October or November of, of 2017, uh, right before the the real blow off top in December when when Bitcoin reached around twenty thousand per coin. Um, so I, I think, you know, there, there's certainly circumstantial evidence that maybe something like that is happening right now. Uh, um, well, not not the block wars, but just funny business on the network. Uh, so it's it's super important to to make sure that you are getting what you pay for. And if you're using a, a centralized exchange, well, if you're if you're obtaining Bitcoin from anywhere, you should certainly be self custody self custodying the coins and verifying that they're real using a, a fully validating Bitcoin node, um, or else you could uh, run into problems down the line when you think you have money and you don't. That's uh, a it's a you know a sad state of affairs, especially to get everything else right and then not follow through on the execution. Uh, it's, it's, it would be a, a tragedy, honestly, for, for an individual. Um, the, the speaking of self-custodying and your approach to Bitcoin, I, I have seen there has been a new emergent push to, uh, quote unquote, get on zero. And that is to, th- th- there's a number of things tied up with this. Um, some of which I think are, is very good. And some of which, uh, is a little bit concerning, uh, I'm going to propose a, a an alternate solution to this that I think actually is better than Get On Zero. Um, but first, I, I want to describe Get On Zero, and that is basically the idea that you should be not holding any fiat, only holding Bitcoin. And if you need to pay a bill or pay um, for something using fiat, well, then you can just sell the Bitcoin that you need to make that purchase, and then you are not holding it. Now, the... I, I, so to circle back to what I like and, and then and what I dislike, what I like is the uh, push to really start to think of yourself a, as being on a Bitcoin standard um, and not really holding any fiat, which is devaluing and Bitcoin, which you know on average is increasing in value. I really like that aspect of it. Um, what I don't like is the flippant, uh, approach to selling Bitcoin and then incurring a capital gains tax that you must report to the IRS um, or a capital gains um, profit or loss. I guess you, you could write off, off losses, but nonetheless, you are then exposing yourself um, according to current laws. And, and, and you know, trust me, I am not naive that they can 
pretty much just show up at your house without the the laws backing them. I I, I get that, uh, but I don't really like the, the the flippant regard to that that I've seen in a lot of the discourse. Um, and I think there's actually a better solution out there for most of us here in the West, uh, particularly if you have some kind of established credit uh, or, or, you know, have some degree of, uh, of money and history with, for, for example, a credit union. So I'm proposing a new move that is that I'm calling get on negative. And that is that that in not not just holding zero, but actually holding a debt in Bitcoin could, or I'm sorry, rather in, uh, in, in cash, uh, it could be a really interesting way to both increase your stack if you're comfortable with it, um, and avoid the IRS. I'm going to take you through something that I may or may not do. And that is if you, if, if you bank with like, let's say a credit union, I'm not, I'm not sure, um, who all may offer you this or who may not, if banks can or cannot, or if it's just credit unions or whatever, but I have a credit union. Um, and they will offer me an uncollateralized loan. Now, maybe if I read the fine print, it's collateralized with my soul. I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but they, they actually will offer me uncollateralized loans of not that much, a few paychecks basically. And, um, they do it with no questions asked pretty much five minutes later, money's in my, in my account. Um, and so let's just pick a number and, and it's not this number, but just for round number of purposes, let's just say it's a thousand dollars. Let's say they'll offer me a, a credit of a thousand dollars and maybe my typical monthly living expenses are like 50 bucks. This is again, not real, but uh, just for ease of math. Um, one way that you could go about this is you could take them up on their offer to uh, give you a thousand dollar loan and make sure that the interest rate is decent. You know, mine is 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 really good. It's below the rate of inflation. Um, and in fact, your interest rate would probably have to be pretty bad to be below the rate of inflation. My term is a year, so 12 months, 12 payments that they just draft out of my checking account. Um, and what I basically do is I just take out a loan, let's just say for $1,000. I buy $800 worth of Bitcoin, keep four months of living expenses, say, um, in my account uh, as cash, even though there is a cash, uh, like a debt balance. And then I can just pay for stuff with pay people that want fiat and fiat. Um, I can get out in front of my, uh, my stacking. Um, And uh, I'm I'm actually technically attacking the US dollar by expanding the M2 money supply. um, Because this bank is no doubt uh, issuing debt on a fractional reserve basis. So they're just creating money out of some some of that money, probably a lot of it out of thin air. So you are actually weakening the dollar by the, by doing the, by using this method. Um, you are buying Bitcoin with it. So you are uh, uh, engaging in the same behavior of driving up the, the price floor that you, that you would have been otherwise, but just at a more aggressive rate. And, um, you know, a huge benefit to this is that you're actually not exposing yourself to the IRS in this manner. Um, you, you, because you're never selling Bitcoin, you're, you're merely getting out ahead of what you would have had to sell by just taking out debt and, uh, and, and cheap debt, debt that they're, you know, I'm getting paid to hold because the, the interest rate is below the rate of inflation. And, uh, and will and I, I would suspect will continue to be so as the, as you know, we pass, um, build back better bill after build back better bill or wh- whatever nonsense is coming down from, from the feds. Uh, so I, you know, I think that this is a, a really good solution. I think it's actually better than get on zero. And uh, I, I, I think that 
there is a risk to getting the IRS involved. And I haven't seen that risk properly priced in uh, in a lot of the discourse in Get On Zero. And I, I would certainly like to see it addressed. Um, it, you know, is it monumental? Probably not. And as long as you submit accurate records, I'm sure you're probably going to be fine. Uh, but uh, there is risk there. And, there, you know, there's no doubt that Bitcoiners are going to, I, I, I would, I, I think, well, I don't want to say there's no doubt. But for me, if I'm going to bet on the IRS placing a higher, uh, more red flags on people who are engaging in cryptocurrency buying and selling and particularly opening themselves up with capital gains, um, I, I think that my bet is that, they're, that they are going to pay more attention to those people. Um, so, you know, am I, am I absolutely 100% right? I don't know. But it's not something that I particularly want to flippantly address. Uh, so I, I I would like to to submit that uh, as a potential alternative if anybody is out there looking for a way to get a little bit more aggressive, but is concerned uh, about the IRS situation, the capital gain situation. I think this is a really clean way of doing it. And not only that, for every reason that get on zero is good, uh, for stacking get on negative is actually better. Uh, so I, I, I don't really see any issues here. Oh, also the, the other part too, is that, you know, if you do it right, you technically probably could write off the interest from that loan as a business expense. Um, now, obviously that, that is a discussion with your tax attorney. Um, and maybe you don't want to take that route, but the, the, the route is then available to you. So, um, that's, you know, that I, I just wanted to propose that f and throw it out there into the discourse and maybe get some, some feedback on it. Uh, but I, I don't like some of the discourse that I've seen uh, around Get On Zero. And, and, and maybe it's that I, I don't like the lack of discourse I've seen in certain areas on Get On Zero. And, uh, and you know, we're, 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 this is a delicate balance between showing people what's possible and bullying them. And when we have the IRS involved, I would shade more towards the former than the latter. And, you know, and that maybe that's just me, but uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't take that. Uh, I, I don't take that exposure uh, lightly. And I don't, I don't think anybody else should either, but uh, that's for them to do. And, uh, you know, they're free people. Um, so while we're while we're on Bitcoin, and I might circle back to it in a little bit here as well, but uh, the if there's anybody listening to this who who just feels like it it's just too late to really go whole hog into Bitcoin, I would I would like to encourage you to do some some basic math. And if we take the max Bitcoin supply, which is 21 million, which probably none of us are going to live uh, to see. Um, except for maybe Jake, who's planning on living to, to 300, which is always a, a great conversation. Um, w you divide that number by 7 billion people in the world or whatever it is. So 20, just simple math, napkin math, 21 million divided by 7 billion is 0 0.003 Bitcoin. That's, that's the, if, if it were to all be allotted evenly, that's your share. So I believe that that's really feasible for probably a lot of people that are at least in the West with, with some proximity to, uh, to wealth. I mean, at 40, like, so I think the price right now is around 47,000 or 48,000. So you're looking at 140 bucks. 
um, call it 200 with, with fees and, and, uh, setting up a node and, and whatever else you, you need to do to be happy. Um, 200 bucks and you, you secure your portion of, um, you know, future, the future of global money, in my opinion. Uh, and, and, you know, just napkin math. What if you wanted to be at, uh, in the top 1% of that? I mean, you're, you're still talking about the price of a cheap car. And I know that to some people that sounds like a lot, uh, but I, you know, to be in the top 1%, that that's pretty crazy. I mean, that, that what an opportunity, uh, especially if you can take out uh, debt to achieve it, debt, debt that you're comfortable with. Uh, take out debt to achieve it and pay it off over time in in devaluing currency um, to to obtain the future global money uh, that will if we're right do nothing but appreciate so uh, i don't know something to think about um okay fighting so i'm just i'm just scrolling through this uh these bullet points that i wrote on the plane so again some of it's going to be a little bit herky-jerky and jumping around um this is this next topic is something is kind of orthogonal to some of the discussion that I've seen on the timeline, and I have labeled this header as fighting versus ignoring the state. Uh, and recently, we've seen quite a few pushes against libertarianism because it is ineffective. Um, I I'm still waiting to see anyone else be effective, uh, and the folks who have had the most success and happiness in 2021 seem to, if I were to, to kind of distill a few similarities, it it seems like they live in freer states. They have ignored laws, not, not fought against them. They just simply have refused to uh, comply and they've stacked Bitcoin. Um, They're making strides for self-sovereignty and that's probably left them. And and I, all all I can do is speak for myself, but it has made me feel fulfilled, wealthier and optimistic um, and, and harder to, maybe I, I don't know what the right word is here, but harder to maybe censor or, or kill or, or I, you know, whatever word you want to do, you're, you're, you are hardening yourself against uh, the things that you do not like uh, in this world. So this is, you know, these are all good things. I, I think that there, there was a, a curious push to fight. Um, I physically, I don't know, uh, but uh, and I and I'm not and I'm not saying that 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 should be ruled out. I guess, but uh, there is so much freedom to be <laughs> had uh, by just simply ignoring it. Um, there, there's just stuff that's that, you know people are going to do dumb things. Uh, just just ignore a lot of it. Now a lot of that comes from me living in Texas and and um, and I, I'm sure that. Live in, if you live in okay, like for example, bird. Like if you live in Queens, it's a little bit harder to just simply ignore. It's a day to day battle, and I get that. Uh, but I think that a lot of battles just simply aren't worth fighting when you can not address them at all and let them fizzle out on their own accord. As we, as we're kind of seeing right now, um, I, I think this COVID psyop appears to be fizzling out. Um, well, I say that I, I, when I wrote this note, it, it, it certainly appeared to, um, you know, I was on TL, the last episode of TLE, I was talking about how, how <laughs> I was getting text as I was coming, flying back or about to board about how people were pulling a 180 and, and to some degree they are, or to a large degree they are. I mean, people are, they're backing off left and right. 
uh, and backpedaling on the narrative and this and that. But then again, you know, I just I, I, I just saw today that the 100 employee OSHA mandate for vaccines or testing, uh, I guess, passed today or is set to go into place tomorrow. I'm, I'm not sure, uh, but it is apparently still still out there kicking. So, you know, I, I don't know what the hell is going on. Uh, it maybe maybe it's just different federal agencies are caught offsides a little bit or, or are not in sync. Um, but in any case, um, whether it's just they're backpedaling to try to win elections in 2022, or if they're backpedaling because they just, they can't push any further without really breaking things. I, I don't know. Um, but I, I, but I think that you should, if you, if you held strong to now, I think you should pat yourself on the back, uh, for it. Don't get complacent, but pat yourself on the back because, um, I, that, that was, that was a pretty major psyop. Uh, pretty major psyop. Now, the flip side of that is that I, in a, you know, during the, the this COVID monstrosity, I and others in more red states um, were the beneficiaries of uh, Republican governors who were very resistant. Probably for no good reasons, just to get reelected, or they figured out that the right wing populace wanted this. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not here saying they're great, um, but you know, they did, they did a lot of good for their people in this regard. Uh, but I, I think that th- there are lever pullers and power brokers that are taking notes, and, and political strategists that are taking notes. Um, on people's response, geography's response, you know, splitting. I mean, you see how they they treat elections. I mean, they break down, uh, you know, uh, Hispanic men with the uh, first name that starts with R voted overwhelmingly for Biden. Or so, you know, they just break it down into these absolutely super granular, ridiculous schemes. But you know, at the end of the day, they're they're pretty damn good at what they do uh, of maintaining power. So, um. I, I, I would just issue a warning to red state folks who uh, are are celebrating a little bit, and rightfully so, about victories on COVID because they are scheming ways to subvert uh, us. Um, and when these when these red like red state governors don't have the a dragon to slay, um, you know the this this kind of cultural layer battle to fight. Um, they will probably fall back on their layer one and uh, their consensus layer. And I'm, I'm going to get into this in a second. I probably should have addressed this first, but uh, th- they'll probably drop back into their layer one. And that probably looks a lot different than yours if you're listening to this. And it probably looks like a police state with a red paint job. So I I wanted to do a, a little bit of a write-up, and then I, I guess I'll just do it on, on the show, um, about discussions around libertarianism, the non-aggression principle and, uh, paths forward for libertarians or libertarian adjacent people. And, um, I think that it it has fallen out of style as it does every few years, um, to, to hold some semblance of the, of the NAP as your layer one. And I'm going to construct, construct, um, my kind of my approach to life, maybe my philosophy and my approach to life in the same way that I see it constructed in Bitcoin, because I think it's, it's actually really illuminating. 
Um, I see the NAP or something very similar to it as a layer one. It's a consensus layer. It's a compatibility layer. It means that two people can coexist and be productive together um, at, at a bare bones minimum. They may not like each other, uh, respect each other, et cetera, et cetera, but they are both respecting uh, the property of the other, which is necessary for production. Uh, it, it's, it just is you're, you're no, you, if, if you and another guy are on a desert Island and every time you start to build something, the other guy steals it. Well, are you going to build anything anymore? No, because there, there's no respect for property rights. So that's the, the, I think property rights, uh, and that the, the handy dandy, uh, uh, cheat book to, understanding property rights, I guess you would say is some, is, is the NAP it, it, for, for very intricate things, they will need to be solved in court. But, but, um, uh, you know, if you rear end somebody on the road, the NAP would say, well, it's your fault. Right. And, and it would be correct 99% of the time. Um, so in building your stack, I see the cultural layer as layer two. And that can be, um, I don't know if you're religious or, you know, if you're a Christian or if you're a Muslim or if you like rock music or if you like baseball, um, these things that we, that when combined, uh, develop into a culture and, and, and there can be many people that, that or many cultures that respect layer one, but look very different from each other, um, on the second layer. So, um, you know, that, that first layer is the bare bones um, for both the monetary protocol, the Bitcoin, uh, for, est- for establishing value storage and communication between people um, with minimalist consensus rules. It is purposely and importantly incomplete uh, in some sense, um, some, because a lot of things don't belong on that base layer. Uh, and as long as people agree with the rough idea of layer one, and here's, here's the, the secret and the thing that people aren't talking about on the, pipe, on, on the timeline, 99.9% of people believe in it. It may not be fashionable to say the NAP or whatever, but at the end of the day, when you boil it down, they're not okay with you stealing uh, their car, right? <laughs> you know, they're not okay with you stealing um, uh, mail out of their mailbox or what we, you can, the list goes on. Um, and then the, so the rest is easily handled by each individual. Um, so I, th- I think that keeping these layers uh, intentionally separate is, is really important. Um, for example, you, you know, like I said, you can respect property rights of your next door neighbor. Uh, good fences make great neighbors, but you can't storm onto his property and force force him to worship a god he does not worship, um, appreciate certain art, cut his hair to a certain length. Those are all layer two items. And you can voluntarily arrange your life around those who run your specific layer two protocol. Uh, but in my opinion, I think you're going to be doomed to failure, no matter what layer two you're running, if if you don't have some semblance of layer one being respected by you and your cohorts. Uh, and and this is because bringing layer two items down to layer one creates excellent attack vectors for those who may seek to exploit. So a great example of this would be the handshake deal that Christian ch- churches in America have had with the military for ages. Um, you can pretty pretty easily smuggle disingenuous cultural items into a community without a robust layer one. Also. If you look around at someone like, uh, I don't know, it's just in the news, but like Jack Murphy, right? Um, Black Rifle uh, Coffee Company, all, all of these all of these perceived, uh, it, well, it's essentially an affinity scam, right? The, the, these 
guys um, uh, basically attack you, or these guys or these organizations basically attack you by um, pretending to be like you on a layer two, but sharing, not sharing the layer one with you. And and so I think that uh, it's 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 pretty important to keep keep an eye out because in a, in a case of someone like Jack Murphy, and I, I know nobody listening to this podcast really ever liked Jack Murphy, but there's no question that the Jack Murphy adjacent people have made their way into kind of the bottom right uh, of uh, our, the diagram. And it turns out that, you know, he's kind of a clown and, uh, and a lot of people got duped. Probably no one listened to this, but a lot of people got duped. Another great example would be something like Gab or Parler. I mean, Parler was, you know, an affinity scam on layer two were just like you. And then they just got everybody to, to dox themselves and upload their IDs um, to a, a database. So for, for, for quote unquote safekeeping, I'm sure. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. The, the, those are my thoughts on that. I, I think that the, the idea that having a, a layer one and then a layer two is, is a really good one. And I don't think that those should be mixed. The, the layer one needs to remain pure as a compatibility layer between humans and then layer two, um, so long as it settles down to the main layer, is is whatever you want it to be. And you can arrange your life with whomever, uh, but uh, don't don't uh, disrespect the, the, the layer one or else there will be probably issues. Uh, on a lighter note, Childerbrook 4 is coming up in May. I'm going to have Jake on either TLE or um, this one probably several times between now and then. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to see a bunch of people there. I think it's going to be bigger and better this year than it was the year before. I don't think there's any doubt about that, actually. Um, I'm super excited to have the entire campsite there. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for, for what Jake's got planned for comedy and for, for uh, some activities. Um, and, and just remember to go to Childerberg.com to, to go sign up and, and subscribe to Jake's newsletter. He doesn't spam. I, I don't think, in fact, if anything, he probably doesn't send out as much uh, info as he should. Uh, so, you know, don't, don't worry about him blowing up your inbox every day or every other day. Uh, I think I've probably gotten about five newsletters total in the years that he's been doing it. Um, so no, a quick note about Chili. And this is just my desire. Everybody's free to do whatever they want, but I really appreciate when people come in and make it their own. And uh, and one one um, example of this was when uh, uh, I can't remember their damn Twitter handle, but Cook Shanty came down and they decided that they were going to cook for a bunch of people, and that that was just really cool. It, it was it was totally organic. Nobody planned it, um, and they just kind of planned it on Twitter to to some degree. And, uh, and, and that just ran with it and it, and it just created a really, really cool thing. And I, I'm looking forward to, and there were, you know, there were different groups up and down the camp area, some of which I just didn't even get around to hanging out with because there were so many people there. Uh, but, but everybody kind of has started to make it their own thing. And that's, it just, it creates what it, it, I aesthetically like. And that's just a real, really organic feel where you can poke around and, and see this and see that, uh, and, and really enjoy seeing something that is, you know, Jake plans this, it is top down planned in some sense, but the meat and potatoes, the actual people there is very bottom up. It's very organic. I mean, it's, it, it, it would change drastically based on the people there. Unlike all of these other Liberty festivals and there's a place for them. I'm not, I'm not bagging on them, uh, but they, they have their speakers, they have their, um, their, their workshops, they have their certain tents, they have their sponsors. We don't have any of that. Um, so it creates all of this available space for you to, to make it what you want. And that to me is something special about Childerberg that I, that 
nothing major that I've seen has. Is is there one or two out there? I, I'm sure there are, uh, but uh, it, this truly is something special. At least with within the, I'll say bigger space. You know, we probably had two or three hundred people there last year. Uh, I expect probably a lot more this year. That that's a big. Uh, camp camp out or if you want to call it a festival or whatever that's that's pretty big for our space and so it's got to be the biggest one that is that is very very organic like that and maybe I'm wrong and maybe someone can dm me uh uh if there is another one honestly if there is another one I'd, I'd love to go to it if it's not on the same weekend because I really enjoy that type of that type of setup speaking of newsletters <clears throat> 3d printed guns have been coming a long way uh, and I need to have Lee back on to talk about it, but he does have a newsletter, the NBlock Press newsletter, um, and he just updated his website. So I will try to put that. I'll try to remember to put that in the show notes um, for for your review to make it easier to go sign up for his newsletter. Again, Lee is another one that there's no spam. It's uh, pretty much Saturday morning and maybe another morning. Uh, it is. Uh, a newsletter and it's all just a lot of signal, very little noise, really uh, ranging from kitschy, like fun Liberty or Liberty adjacent things to really interesting technical uh, 3d printing or, or gun related matters, which is, it's just a really fantastic newsletter. Cause I've, I've told you this, it's pretty much part of my Saturday morning routine. I wake up, grab my cup of coffee and get back in bed and read the newsletter and the, uh, while I sit my coffee. So it's just, uh, it's very enjoyable. So many, many thanks to Lee for putting that on and, uh, and RIP to, to Jay Stark, who was a, a 3d printed gun developer. And you can go read about that. I don't know if all the details are out on exactly what happened there, but, uh, pretty, pretty unfortunate. Speaking of RIPs, uh, we lost another one. We lost a real one. Uh, uh, and I t- spoke about this on Timeline Earth, uh, but Greg Knoll, he uh, was a, a big wave surfer, one of the first uh, big, he, he was certainly one of the big first big personalities in big wave surfing, and this was back in the 50s and 60s, uh, and then obviously continuing on through until very recently. But if you haven't seen the movie Riding Giants, do yourself a favor and give it a shot. Even if you aren't a surfer or don't like surfing, it's an incredible look at the foundations of big wave surfing in America. And it's, it's a full serving of just brass balls, no shits given Americana. And it, that's the stuff I melt over. Um, it's just 90 minutes of awesome. And particularly in the era of COVID, it's, in my opinion, a phenomenal monument to man and what man is capable of. And I, I understand that he's that they weren't curing cancer or anything like that, but it, it's, it's, you know, we need to remember uh, what people before us have have done and what they have risked, and, uh, and for 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 reward, and and whether that reward is a cancer cure or just the most insane adrenaline rush of, of someone's life, uh, you know, whatever. Um, so that that's a that's just a great movie. It's a great movie, and if and if you and if you like that one, uh, I really enjoy Endless Summer and the Endless Summer too. They're really just cool little movies about surfing. So make sure to add those to your list. Um, I spoke earlier. I was speaking earlier about uh, on Twitter about staying off the hump, which is a reference to the IQ bell curve meme. Uh, follow your gut brain or your head brain, but make sure you are not stuck in the middle. And if you find yourself doing mental backflips, trying to justify a position, perhaps it's time to examine your location on the bell curve. Left and right are both fine, but stay off the hump. It's my opinion. Uh, if you don't feel like you're winning, maybe change it up. So here at The Signal, we stand by the motto, lift weights, eat steaks, stack sats, and print gats. 
And 2021 was the best and most free year of my life. I hope that it was for Signal listeners as well. I know that there are many of you out in deeply occupied territory uh, still just you know battling day in and day out with the COVID mania, and my heart goes out to you. Trust me, it does. Um, and I know that you that that per, your, your strategy could be slightly different than mine, uh, but I do think that if you stick to those four things. Uh, as 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 a base, and, and then fight the battles that you absolutely have to fight. I think you're going to be better for it. So, uh, with that, I, I think I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, that's really a bunch of stuff that I wanted to touch on. I'm scrolling back through here. I don't think there is is too much more that I that I really want to um, go into. Uh, but um, anyway, I I really appreciate everybody lis- listening to this show it's been it's just been a lot of fun it's been a lot of fun to uh, maintain you know when we were looking back at how to structure timeline earth and all of these shows that this was just a really fun solution offering everybody a, a glimpse into each one of our the co-hosts brains and, and pursuits and uh passions and the the cool thing is that i think all four of us are are very different in a lot of ways and so it it hopefully has created a, a lot of great content for y'all and hopefully the signal has been a, a good one for you um i know that it's probably not for everybody but that was kind of the point of us splitting up and doing the individual shows we wanted to give stuff that we brushed on in the main show more of an emphasis on our own show and then that also creates the ability to not have to bring all of our you know brainworms into the main show polluting it we can kind of keep it about current events and comedy and keep it light and we can touch on the more uh, deep stuff in, in our own individual show. So I, I really do appreciate everybody listening to the signal and DMing me and give, you know, giving, giving me feedback, whether, even if it's bad, I, I, I really appreciate it. I, I hope that uh, that's been reflected in the way that I've communicated with everybody. That's bit, that that's, that's hopped into my DMS and, and, you know, as always they're, they're open. I mean, you, you can hop in and ask me anything, especially about Bitcoin um, or, or things that I, that I know about. I'm, I'm absolutely happy to, to help out. Um, especially if it looks like you're, you're trying to help yourself out too, you know, like you've gone through some, uh, some basic Googling and and things like that. So I'm not answering the same questions over and over again, but I'm always happy to talk about Bitcoin. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for 2022. I'm excited for what the show is going to do. I'm going to make a commitment to be a little bit more regular. Uh, I started out strong and then, uh, the, fall months were a little bit lacking for me and I may mix in a little a few more solo episodes because at the at the end of the day sometimes I just don't there's nobody that you know I'm always happy to bring on my favorites but I don't want it to get repetitive and a lot of my favorites have their own content so you can always go to them Um, so maybe I'll, I'll mix in some some more solo episodes this year uh to touch on uh you know, projects that I might be doing, um, or things that are interesting to me and make it a little bit more, uh, more personal. So maybe you can hop in to my DMS if you care enough, uh, and and give me some feedback on that. If that's something that you want or you explicitly don't want, and I'm happy to change things up based on, on demand because I am doing this, um, for you, essentially, I, I, you know, this is all stuff that I'm doing. I'm, I'm more or less reporting about stuff that I'm doing, uh, in my personal life. And, uh, and I don't, you know, if, if nobody's interested in it, that's fine by me. Um, but, uh, if you are that, that's, that's why I do the show. So, 
um, please do reach out with, with, with anything and uh, reach out if you're in Texas. I'm always happy to grab a beer with you. So uh, I think I'm going to wrap it there. And uh, maybe we'll do another solo episode to, to start off the year and do a more forward-looking episode. Um, this one's been enjoyable to, to look back. And, uh, and, you know, until next year, stay off the hump and eskeet it.